Man, we clean up well when a communist dictator comes to town. The leader of China comes to San Francisco, and this city has not looked so fresh in decades. Probably not since the hippies started stinking up Haight-Ashbury Street way back in the 60s. Anyway, hi, everybody. Brian Sussman with you. Live on KSFO, 6 to 7 o'clock every Wednesday. Set an alarm. I am here broadcasting from an undisclosed location in the belly of the beast and streaming live at KSFO.com as well. Now, some of you are watching the podcast replay of this program. You're watching on YouTube. You're watching on Rumble. Others are catching the replay on various audio platforms. Remember, just search for and subscribe to The Brian Sussman Show. It's Brian Sussman Show, YouTube, Rumble, all of the audio platforms as well. And if you subscribe, you get a notification on whenever I drop a new podcast, which is at least once a week. And by the way, I'd like to thank the iconic tax attorney, Steve Moskowitz, for sponsoring this show. Steve, of course, the very first sponsor when KSFO went to a conservative format in 1994, the first sponsor. And when I had this opportunity to come back on KSFO, he was the first guy who said, I want to sponsor this. So, so the world's power brokers have assembled in San Francisco. It is a gathering of biblical proportions, or at least near biblical proportions. Rulers, powers, the world's forces of darkness, spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. <laughs> I'm quoting from the book of Ephesians in the New Testament. The last time a meeting of this nature took place, seriously, the last time there was a meeting like this in San Francisco was 1945, just after World War II. It took place in 1945 on the wharf, you know, right along the Embarcadero in the ferry building. What happened at that meeting? It was the formation of the United Nations, that global body of organized collectivism, a.k.a. socialism or communism, same thing. This time, the gathering includes a real communist, an unabashed real communist. China's very powerful authoritarian, the Marxist Maoist President Xi. We'll talk about that, but maybe to change the emotional paradigm that I've just constructed, we should set this scenario up like a joke. So this Chinese guy comes to San Francisco. <laughs> I mean, look at this. Xi comes to San Francisco suddenly. The homeless are gone. The deranged have disappeared. The streets are clean. The sidewalks and gutters have been magically power washed. And all the things that the leftist politicians in San Francisco loathe are suddenly, are suddenly present. I mean, there are police everywhere. You know, this is the city that wants to defund the cops. The police are everywhere. And, and this is the city with politicians and, and activists that loathe fences and loathe walls. There are fence walls that have been erected around the city. I've never seen anything. These are sturdy fences that have been set up so quickly. Security fences, portable walls, quickly erected. And protesters, well, they're here. 
But, you know, they've been put off to the side. Get them out of the way so they don't cause any problems. You know, here's the deal. For those of us who live in San Francisco and work in San Francisco and, and regularly visit San Francisco, you have to wonder why the city isn't this clean all the time. I mean, it really is an insult to the people. You know, we the people, this is an insult, especially to the taxpayers in San Francisco. And the man who wishes to be president, Governor Gavin Newsom, he was actually asked about this. He was asked why San Francisco has been cleaned up for this conference, because it's obvious, not just to the people that live here and work here and visit here, it's, it's obvious to the world this place has been cleaned up. His quote was, literally, we clean up when fancy leaders come to town. Fancy leaders come to town. And then when he said it, our fictitious mayor, London Breed, is falling down, just sort of giggled. Here, you want to giggle? Second joke of the show. Why don't Chinese children believe in Santa Claus? Because they know exactly where the toys are made. But um bum Meantime, San Francisco city officials have torn down the tent cities. They've shooed away the homeless. They've put them into other parts of the city. And unprecedented measures are designed to present a clean and shiny image of San Francisco to the world during this big APEC summit. San Francisco's biggest gathering of global leaders and movers and shakers since 1945 when the UN was established at the ferry building on the Embarcadero. On Monday, when President, President Biden's security advisor, national security advisor, Jake Sullivan, was asked about the San Francisco makeover. So here he is in DC. He's asked him, he's the, he's the national security guy. I mean, we've got cops all over the place. We got walls going up, fences going up. So Jake Sullivan is asked about this. And the question to Jake was this, is the president embarrassed that an American city needs to go through a total makeover to be presentable for his out-of-town guests. Of course, Sullivan is a rhetorician. He's a politician of sorts. He does exactly what the propagandists are trained to do. They've all read Saul Alinsky's books. He literally took that question and spun it and said, the president is incredibly proud of the record that the United States will bring as host to this summit the strongest economic record of any developed country, the lowest employment over a sustained period in half a century. Now, Mr. Sullivan, you need a harsh dose of reality. I'm reading a story from CNN. This is a CNN story from five days ago. Americans are becoming gloomier about the economy with interest rates at a 22-year high and economic growth widely expected to slow. Now, this comes from the University of Michigan's Measure of Consumer Sentiment, which fell 5% just this past month. This is according to a press release from Friday. That was the fourth consecutive month that sentiment soured. See, you see, these politicians, and quite frankly, on both sides of the aisle, there are a lot of Republicans who are in this camp as well. They need to be confronted with a harsh dose of reality to know how we the people, we the people live. 
Somebody needs to ask Schumer and Pelosi and even Senator Lindsey Graham. They need to ask them some hard questions. <laughs> hard questions. It'll be hard for them. Mr. Schumer, Mr. Schumer, what's the average price of a loaf of bread in New York? Schumer would take that and spin it so fast because he's a master at this stuff. He would say, yeah, yeah, bread, bread is good, good for the soul, and we support all those who manufacture this staple of the American diet. Next. Ms. Pelosi, Ms. Pelosi, what's the price of a gallon of gas in San Francisco? Well, of course, the cost of a gallon of gas represents the gross profit margins created by big oil, and that's why we need to insist on a carbon-free economy. Senator Graham, Senator Graham, what's a pound of hamburger cost in the Carolinas these days? Uh, let me check my weather vane and see which way the wind is blowing, because that's what he does. Lindsey Graham is, is the epitome of the weather vane. Whichever way the wind is blowing, wherever the opportunity lies, he'll be there. Hence his support for Donald Trump. Gavin Newsom, Gavin Newsom, how much is a bottle of your favorite wine in your personal wine cellar? You told Politico about it last September. In Politico, you said it's a 1947 bottle of Chevelle Blanc. What's the price, sir? What's the price? What? I can't hear you. Sir? Sir? You won't say? Well, Politico says it has an average value of $21,000 a bottle. That's Gavin Newsom, the man who wants to be president. Just a regular guy. You know, when I had my morning show here on KSFO, and, and, and Gavin Newsom was just the mayor, I mean, I said it, so many said it, the guy wants to be, he was just a mayor. He wants to be president, he probably will be president someday. He was just the mayor. Boy, his rise up the ladder. These politicians, they live in a parallel universe. This is from Bloomberg. This is from the Bloomberg News Service just last week. San Francisco's office vacancies have climbed to a record and now are more than six times their pre-pandemic level. Did you hear that? San Francisco's office vacancies have climbed to a record level. The city's office vacancy rate reached 25.5% at the end of September. That's up from 20% a year earlier. And by the way, at the start of the pandemic, it was around 4%. So 4% vacancy rate was normal. Now we're tw over 25%. Office values, you know, rent, rent values for office space has tumbled almost 40% on a price-per-square-foot basis since December 2020. That's in San Francisco. Real estate prices are down just as much, easily 25 to 33%. Rents in the city for residential housing are down a similar amount. All right, let's go, Joe. Let's go, Gavin. Let's go. London Breed is falling down, falling down, falling down. You know what they should have done to make San Francisco's economy look more vibrant during this, you know, this big summit? I mean, there, there was a parade today of sorts. It was just amazing. All the people lining the street cheering the communist dictator. They could have done a parade, uh, even honoring Xi, just right down Montgomery Street. Montgomery Street is the heart of the financial district. And one of the great, truly one of the great financial districts in the world. That place looks like a ghost town these days. Today is Wednesday. On a typical Wednesday, it looks like Sundays used to. 
Seriously, it's, it's, it's chilling. Zombie apocalypse type stuff. You go to Union Square and on a weekday, not much is going on. Nobody's riding into cable cars anymore. It's incredible. But just to kind of spruce things up and make it look lively, they could have done something that was done in the sports world during the pandemic. Put cardboard cutouts of people in the windows. All the windows along Montgomery Street, all the high rises, cardboard cutouts of people. I mean, they did this during the NBA games. They, they did it at, uh, for, the, for the Warrior games. They were doing it at some MLB games. They were doing it at NFL games. Cardboard cutouts of people. That's how dumb they think we are. That we won't get it? Well, if it worked for the dumb sports fans, it'll work for the parade route fans. Get all the Libbies downtown. Put all the pictures in the windows. The cutouts of the people. Could have pushed a great diversity message as well. All the complexions of all the nations represented on these cutouts. And all the various ways people identify could have been represented as well. The entire Rainbow Coalition could have been re represented in cardboard forms, complete with kitty people. What a missed opportunity. But I wonder what Biden and, and Xi really talked about. What did these guys chat about? Did Joe, did Joe say something like this? I mean, when the cameras weren't rolling and the microphones weren't hot, was it something like this just between the two of them? Something like, don't worry, G. We've been able to put a lid on that Republican Oversight Committee who was looking into family members of mine for receiving that $3 million from that company based in your country. We put a lid on it. How would G have even replied to something like that? Would G even care? Whatever the deal may have entailed, China and G got just what they wanted out of it. What are we going to do? Arrest the guy? And no, Joe and his family, despite all the blather, despite what you hear from, from the Republicans in the Senate and the House, Joe and his family are going to skate by all of this controversy. Joe ain't going to jail, just like Hillary ain't going to jail. They're going to skate by all of this controversy because the Democrats have too much blackmail on too many Republicans. This is how they play the game in D.C. It's a slime pit. I would have loved for Joe to speak to Xi the same way Trump spoke to President Buhari. Do you know who Buhari is? He's the president of Nigeria. Well, he was. The new president is one of the biggest drug lords in Nigeria. But Trump met with this guy in the White House while he was president and asked him directly, why are you killing Christians? He said that because Buhari was doing nothing about the routine persecution carried out by Islamists on innocent Christians in the central part of that Nigerian nation. Joe could have asked Xi the same question. Why are you persecuting Christians? But of course, that would tarnish an otherwise beautiful gathering of the beautiful people, and now the beautiful, polished, sanitized city by the bay. There has been so much misinformation about, for example, the pilgrims. So much misinformation about the founders of this nation. It's, it's actually worse than misinformation, it's disinformation. It's, it's agitprop if you really want to know the, the truth. But the questions I will address in this coming podcast, and I'm going to share a lot of this next Wednesday on KSFO during this live program as well. A lot of the questions that will be properly answered are, were America's founders really slaveholders? It's a fair question. 
If so, how many were slaveholders? Next question. What stopped the slave trade in the United States of America? Because something happened. It stopped. What was meant by the three-fifths clause in the 1787 original Constitution? What is the true meaning of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? Because that's really been lost in the equation. What are inalienable rights or unalienable rights? They're the same thing. God-given. What does that mean? Were we really a nation founded as one nation under God? These are important questions. We're going to talk about that in the coming podcast. And I really look forward to providing you with answers based on the truth, based on the history. I understand Karl Marx said history means nothing. I understand it's very dangerous to look at history through a present lens, and that's why I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go back to the time and to the dates and to the people, and I will answer all these questions. And who knows? It may, may make for a good book someday. But again, this is going to be on the upcoming Brian Sussman Show podcast, and we'll talk about it next week live on KSFO. This coming Saturday, I'm going to be speaking in San Bruno to a Christian men's fellowship group. It's Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. I do speak to a fair amount of men's groups, and it's a great honor to do so. My message is always the same. Listen, I'm a one-trick pony. When it comes to climate change, what do I talk about? I talk, I talk about the destruction of liberty. Uh, when I talk to men's groups, I'm always the broken record, talking, 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 talking about the same thing over and over and over. Another chance. Listen, here's the deal. My message is always the same. God is not the God of a second chance. He's not. If he were the God of a second chance, friends, I blew through mine years ago. I blew through mine on that topic and on that issue and on this front. And I blew through a second chance a long time ago. God is the God of another chance. He's always looking to rescue us from our messes time and time again. It's called grace. It's called mercy. It's called love. You know, that, that other religion that's so prominent on the planet these days, the one creating all that havoc in and around Israel, uh, that's, that's a religion, they call it the religion of peace, but it's a religion of submission. I mean, that's, that's literally what Islam means. And, and you look at the word Hamas. Hamas means violence. There are 99 different names for their God. Not one of them is love. The God I serve is a God of love who gives us another chance. My entire family represents another chance. Let, let me give you a great story. Some of you, a few of you know my kids. I used to have them on the air with me on a regular basis all the time, including my youngest one. When I had my evening show on KSFO, we billed him as the world's youngest comedian. He would come to work with me and then at the end of the program, usually once a week, he'd riff off a bunch of jokes. This is a kid who grew up in foster care. He was born in an ambulance addicted to cocaine, was taken from his birth mother, was raised in foster care. We adopted him when he was six years old. And he was a mess. But we gave him another chance. And that kid is flourishing now. He lives, in, he lives in Switzerland. He's one of the most brilliant young men you'd ever meet. <laughs> He's also, and is it no surprise, he does stand-up comedy. 
Stand-up comedy in Switzerland. No one would ever think the Swiss people... Well, the Swiss people don't have a sense of humor. I was going to say, no one would ever think the Swiss have a sense of humor, because they don't. So where does he do his comedy? In expat clubs. <laughs> a lot of people from America and other parts of the world can, that can speak English, he's doing comedy, as well as teaching jujitsu. My family represents another chance. Three of my four kids are adopted, but I forget which three. I just signed a book deal with Post Hill Press. They're a great publisher, great imprint. They have tremendous distribution. And the book is going to come out in the spring, right on Vladimir Lenin's birthday, April 22nd. Selecting that date for Earth Day, by the way, was no mistake. Earth Day, first Earth Day, April 22, 1970, the 100th anniversary of Lenin's birth. And Lenin was an environmentalist, environmentalist. While his country was going to hell in a handbasket and people were starving and people were freezing to death because they couldn't cut firewood and because they weren't allowed to go into the forest to hunt, he was writing paper after paper after paper on the environment, insisting that people keep out of the forest and keep out of the land. And people should not have the right to own property, including farms. So he was scarfing all of those up. People were dying, left, right, and center. And he's writing environmental papers. It's no different than what we have going on in Washington, D.C. right now. People are hurting. The economy is not well. There's a lot of trouble, a lot of chaos, a lot of crime. And they're worried about environmental things like climate change and global warming. So the new book is going to be the most comprehensive book ever written exposing the destructive roots and the nefarious intentions of the climate agenda, an agenda that has nothing to do with climate and everything to do with dismantling the inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's an agenda crafted by the United Nations, practiced by the United States and most of the developed nations, and endorsed by the World Economic Forum. It's an agenda that grants the government power to institute a new morality, authorize censorship, pick winners and losers, redistribute your private property, and restrict your intellectual property. It will be a book with, I think there are, the book is finished, it's, the manuscript is done. Uh, I think there are over 500 footnotes. It's all incredibly well-sourced. The latest climate news is this. This year, it's virtually certain, this is according to Reuters, that we've just had the warmest year in 125,000 years. Now, keep in mind, the thermometer was invented by Galileo in the 1500s. It didn't become mass-produced until the 1700s. Most of the thermometers on the planet were installed after 1980. Some of the temperature reading stations in some of the coldest parts of the planet, like the Andes Mountains, were taken down. And yet they're telling us that this is the hottest weather in 125,000 years. You know, it, it's really... <laughs> I just have to ask these questions. 125,000 years. We've only had satellite records of the temperature for 44 years. And the satellite records don't show any appreciable warning, warming, by the way. So I just have to ask this question. Was there a pre-edemic race keeping records on the walls of caves of temperature that we don't know about? Were dinosaurs, were dinosaurs capable of having some scoring mechanism? 
Were there extraterrestrials that the scientists know about that they just haven't told us about it yet, who, who, are, who have been keeping track of the temperature all these many years? This is, this is absolute insanity. Hottest weather in 125,000 years. The hottest weather ever recorded by humans was in the 1930s. There's no denying that. Best temperature records are in the United States. It clearly shows that the 30s were the hottest ever. Temperature records in China, which in some cases are pretty old, also show the same thing. And there's a lot of extra data that illustrates the same thing as well. Not just in the 30s, but going back to the medieval warm period, which was in the Middle Ages. If you go to Europe, and I was there a few years ago noticing this myself, you can see tree lines that are 1,500 feet, ancient tree lines that no longer exist because the trees are all dead. Ancient tree lines that are 1,500 feet higher than they are today. So, global warming, global schmorming. Let's bring her in right now, ladies and gentlemen. Katie Green. Katie, thanks for being with us. How are you? I'm doing well, Brian. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's just great to hear your voice and great to do great to know you're doing a-okay on the Armstrong and Getty show every morning. Oh, having a blast. We have uh, been having a field day with Gavin Newsom in the cleanup of San Francisco for this Apex summit. It, it is wild. <laughs> I mean, you and I know this city so well. I'm just curious. Katie, what did they actually do with the homeless? Because they're not present. So where did they sequester them? They, they have a couple of hotels that they put them up in. So, you know, they, those guys came out of their heroin high, and all of a sudden they're, they've got a bed, a shower. Everything's good. Okay. They're literally in hotels. Yeah. Yeah, because it's it's against the law for them to actually kick them. California has some some law where you can't displace the homeless without having somewhere to put them. Okay, so, so they you, Katie, they put they put them in the hotels. Can you imagine what those those hotels are going to be? I mean, I've I've known people who have rented to the wrong renter. You know, they, they got they got the meth addict that they weren't anticipating. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've heard these stories from friends of mine who have rental property. They did not select the right person, and the place is literally a hellhole. It looks like something oh, out yeah. of a horror movie. What's going to happen to all, all of these hotel rooms that are now shooting galleries and God knows what? Well, it's going to get really messed up around there, Brian, you know? <laughs> but this clown, Gavin Newsom, did you hear him? <sighs> they, they were talking about how, you know... You'll clean up for Xi, but not for thee, because, you know, <laughs> here comes China, and now all of a sudden San Francisco looks livable, but the taxpayers can't get this to live in. But Gavin goes, obviously, you know, anytime you put on an event, you're you're going to tidy up the house. You're, and this is a quote. You're going to make sure the kids make their beds, you know? Take the socks, you know? Put them in the drawer, in the hamper. Oh, my gosh. I'm, I wish I was kidding. Okay, now, Katie, here's the deal. If we're putting them up in hotels at taxpayer expense, that means we're feeding them as well, I would guess, right? So is it just like major DoorDash operations going on at these hotels? What's the deal? You know, I don't, I don't know all of the details of what. I mean, I would assume so. Oh, my gosh. That's usually how San Francisco works. And, you know, in the homeless community, it's an underground economy. It's all it's a trade for economy. So, you know, I'll trade you these drugs if you'll trade me for fill in the blank. So oh, yeah. the kind of 
economy taking place in these hotel complexes has just got to be staggering. I mean, it's it's not just illegal drug use going down. There's all sorts of things under the sun happening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool, cool. It's, it's, it, you're right. It's a crime ring. And then if you – I don't know if you saw this. I should have sent it over the transom prior to talking to you, but I'll, I'll send it over. <laughs> San Francisco, the way that it looked when Xi Jinping arrived – there was not one American flag in sight, and I, that entire street was lined with Chinese flags. I, you know, it was amazing. I, I tweeted something. I tweeted a photo of that because I was shocked as well. It was just amazing. It was eerie. It, it was eerie. And it was, what's also eerie is all of these people cheering for this guy. He, he is not a good person. He's an evil person. The things that he does to anyone who defies his administration and the government are horrendous. There's just no description for the kind of torture that some people have to endure. And all these people on the sidelines cheering, Katie, it was weird. Yeah, it was bizarre. And everyone had the, had the flags and they were, I mean, it looked, <gasps> the video that I saw looked like something that would be put out by Chinese media. Yeah, 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 totally. San Francisco, everybody. It's, what a you know, yeah. Nobody's ever moved out of California because of the weather, Brian. <laughs> and there was also a massive, because again, what planet are we on? A pro-Palestinian rally that went on outside of APEC today. Oh, yeah, what, it, it's just, these people, they're, it's like a Stockholm syndrome. It's a lack of, it's, it's not misinformation, it's total disinformation. And they believe the propaganda. They've 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 consumed the Kool Aid, whatever you want to call it. It's just out. It's stupid. Well, this is you want to talk full circle. Okay. Let's bring it back to China. Bring her and back. Let's go straight. Let's go straight to TikTok. There was an article last week about how TikTok is the new news source for our our, our younger people yeah. right now. Yeah. So I logged out of, because I do have a TikTok account, because I, I, I like to watch the videos, whatever. But I logged out so that it would drop my algorithm, and I could just kind of see the basic of what's going on on TikTok. And no wonder we have so many pro-Palestine, uh, from the river to the sea people out there. Because if you're getting your news from TikTok, right. it makes Israel look like the enemy. Yeah. It, it totally so does. Here we go. We have a full-blown pro-Palestine rally going on outside of APEC where Xi Jinping is, who is the leader of the country where we're getting our quote-unquote news from TikTok. Yes, you just brought it around full circle. It is perfect. So the Chinese government owns TikTok. They completely set this thing up as like an agitprop uh, app so they could feed these young minds full of mush crap. Right. Just, yeah, just every, every just day. It's a it's a crap sandwich. It's a crap sandwich for breakfast, lunch and dinner. Well, and just just in our country, though, because if you look at the algorithm that runs through TikTok in China, it's heavily saturated with with education. The, the algorithm here is completely different. This is why we see kids eating Tide Pods and doing whatever else they're doing. Hey, Katie, I got a joke for you really quick, okay? Oh, please. I'm getting really, really amped up at 7 p.m. What's going on? Hey, we got a, a climate scientist and a climate change denier sit next to each other at the bar. 
They soon realize they're at opposite ends of the debate, and the scientist is quickly becoming frustrated by the facts being thrown his way by the denier. The scientist says, okay, bartender, give me your strongest whiskey. Bartender says, here it is, 90 proof. Always one for the facts, the denier says, that's eh, 45% alcohol. The scientist looks at the denier, slams the shot, gives the denier the finger, and walks out without paying. And the bartender says, you know, that's the problem with these guys. You show them the proof, and they still don't buy it. <laughs> very good. Very good. That's original. Thank you very much. Thank you. Like Thank you. You. Remember, you remember when you sent me to the bar at like 7 o'clock in the morning because I had a sore throat? <laughs> this is, folks, this is true. It's a true story. True story. Okay, right. tell it. You brought it up. You tell it. I love it. This was, gosh, this must have been eight, nine years ago. Katie was all of about 19 at the time. No, no, that's not true. I, I was of age to drink, but I came in, I had a sore throat, and Brian goes, hey, you know what makes the sore throats feel better? Little shot of whiskey. And I went, all right. And there just so happened to be a watering hole that was close that I was. It was our, it was our favorite post-show place to meet and unwind, and we could have a full breakfast. And if you wanted something from the bar, I mean, it was one of those bars <laughs> that opens at like 9 a.m. Oh, 6. They opened no, at they 6. Opened at 6. And so I walked over there, and I was the only one in, and I went... Right, it had it had to be at 6 o'clock, because you were going there when our, our show started. Right, yes. Yeah, yeah. I went, Alan, I need a Jameson. And he came out there, and I took a shot live on the air and came back, and I actually did feel better. That's right. You did take the shot live on the air. I did, from the bar. I called in. Long-time <laughs> listener, first-time caller. And then took a shot of Jameson before the sun came up it's, and came back to work. And that, of course, is, is nothing I would want to uh, represent for our audience, but it was just a hilarious moment. It was just great. This is That's what morning radio was. Absolutely. <laughs> no, I, you think I'm just going to hammer people about communism and climate change and Pelosi and Schumer all day? No, we had to lighten up the load and have some fun. And that's why the show was just so outrageously popular. You know that. Oh, <laughs> yes, I don't I don't think I've taken a shot that early since Brian. I'm, I'm happy about that. And there she goes. The young, talented and beautiful Katie Green. Brian Sussman. My friends, it always is a pleasure. It's always an honor to be with you on these airwaves. Right thinking from the left coast, shining light into darkness. All of my many monikers. God bless you, my friends. Until next time, Brian Sussman. Signing off.